Leadership File on Premier. This is the Leadership File, bringing you conversations with leaders and experts on leadership themes. I'm Andy Peck, your host, whether you're listening live or one of the many thousands who listen via a podcast. It's great to have you along. Some of you may recall the days in the UK when you might occasionally go out for a cup of tea and a cake. But the idea of having a coffee, other than after a meal at a restaurant, was something that was unheard of. Now our high streets are full of the chains of coffee shops and independent outfits, making them as common a place for discourse as the local pub. Well, I'm joined this week by Roland Norman, who's been in the coffee business for many years. He was my guest before speaking about his founding of Kingdom Coffee, which he has now sold. He's now pioneering various approaches to see coffee utilised as a servant to those who produced it, as well as a money-raising tool for charity. So welcome back, Roland, to The Leadership File. Hello. Good to, good to have you along. Your story of getting into coffee. So basically, what happened was in... Uh... 2000, uh, sorry, 1997, um, I got prayed over uh, at an event our church is holding. And out of that came a vision about distribution of wealth and using um, uh, your skills to help and encourage and uh, assist people to achieve their potential. And I was at that time working for a company called Pritchett Foods. And I used to deal with a load of coffee wholesalers and selling the milk portions and creamers and I basically talked to some of them and for two years I was trying to work out how this vision fitted into what I was doing and after my conversation to this I realized that coffee was an interesting product because it's the second largest product traded in the world and basically um, it's sold in the 72 poorest countries in the world who are and it's a must-sell product so if they don't sell it they're basically poor. And that's also where all the mission organizations were. So I saw there's a, there was a link to the vision and where we could potentially work on a holistic view of life uh, by doing stuff which uh, sold a product which was high value in the West, which could then use the profits to distribute back to charitable causes who could then work within those communities of those people to help spread the Lord's uh, word and also... Uh, help them better themselves in life and uh, get out of the poverty traps they were in. So that's why I got into coffee, because of the vision and the prayer. And that was, so that was a long way before, if you like, the more recent concerns that even the high street stores have, high street coffee stores have uh, regarding ethical investment and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, I wanted to be at the forefront of uh, ethical trading using the Christian community to buy product which then helped Christian charities that then worked in the communities to spread the kingdom of God through trade and holistic living, basically. That was the whole idea of that's what I felt the vision was talking about. Um, so, and that's why I set up Kingdom Coffee originally, because that was a way I could see of doing it and working with coffee as a product that could fulfill the vision. So you you kind of flying out to visit some of the coffee growers? Yeah, so I, I went end up going to Honduras. Um, I want to go eventually to uh, some of the countries in Africa, but it's all very restrictive at the moment. But I, I really we base our uh, purchasing through 
working with copy importers um, and then making sure we had fair trade, ethically traded products, which we then would sell as a wholesaler onto churches and out of the profit, give money back. So my my trips were a bit curtailed. I would have liked to have done a lot more under Kingdom, but unfortunately, because uh, what happened with Kingdom, I grew the company really quickly. Then in 2006, seven, there were some financial issues, which I uh, which I overstretched myself, and that's why I had to have people buy into me. And those people were more focused on the running the business in a profitable manner, and then supporting the ethical stuff out of the profit side. So I, I didn't, and I didn't have much chance to travel because they were more focused, more keen, because we were a very small team. They were more keen for me to develop and grow the business at where we were rather than taking it further, if you tell me. So let's look, just to explore the ethical side just a little bit before we go on to the, the leadership element. Because um, uh, I'm aware, uh, I mean, I, I studied agricultural economics, so I kind of mm-hmm. keep an eye on the economic side of things. And... and um, I'm very aware that the word ethical has become a little bit of a buzzword. Um, you know, within the chocolate world, for example, the so-called ethically sourced chocolate is sometimes you, if you dig down, actually, um, those those who who regard them as ethical practices are actually it doesn't actually help the the, the the growers very much at all. There's a kind of guaranteed price, but there's no guarantee to purchase the the, the coffee the chocolate at that price i don't know whether that's know whether the same minefield within within coffee when you actually get down to it as i say Star, starbucks say that 90 90 percent of their coffee is ethically sourced i often wonder what what about the one other one percent but uh, <laughs> you know they, they have that in their stores but because because everything they, they realize this is a bit of a a, a kind of um a, a, a thing to, to brand themselves and, and to reassure their their, their their drinkers but actually what would you what would you say about the whole ethics of coffee production my the the, the ethics came around because i used to we used to the second kingdom coffee was coffee with a conscience and we wanted to sell fair trade but also were realistic in understanding that people didn't especially businesses who are interested in the bottom line didn't want anything to cost more right so that's a bit of dichondrum so what we tried to do was try and create something that was different so it was not focused on uh bottom line as much uh for us so what we'd do is we'd make sure we'd uh when when i talk about ethical i mean something sustainable that's something that is uh in the marketplace but is um the people grow organically as much as possible it often comes from a fair trade cooperative anyway uh, and basically there's a good backstory to them supporting each other within the communities and there's from our side we we for instance in my new uh thing we give we work out what the green bean price for every one of our blends is and we guarantee to pay on top 10 percent, which we then put into a, a trust fund or a fund which will then be used once it builds up to a reasonable amount for NGOs to use in the communities as much as possible where we buy the coffee from. And then we also work with a roaster who's basically supporting a schools project from his profits. And then to top it all on top of that, we try and uh, out of our own profits, we'll give 10% back to um, charitable work of some sorts, either in the UK or again, in the countries we're buying the coffee from. So we're not, uh, we're not buying the cheap, cheap, cheap coffee. We're not buying the expensive, expensive coffee. We're buying a coffee that is sustainably 
able to sell a large volume at sensible prices to people who will openly do that, but also trying to give back on the back door more money back to those communities that are growing that coffee and making sure those communities are um, looking after their workers. And uh, that's why you try and use cooperatives as much as possible, because the basic cooperative attitude is that they work with the community as much as just making, because they're their workers, as much as just making money for themselves. Um, so often you give materials back to them rather than um, uh, they will do the labor and the cooperative farmers will put all the labor, get all the labor together to build the schools and re-roof the houses and things like that uh, rather than um, give their time free and you provide the, the materials so they can do it. So throughout the Kingdom Coffee Sign, we, we were giving uh, a considerable amount of money back to Honduran farmers through a this bonus payment we were working with uh, a company called dr wakefield and dr wakefields are interesting the ones that do a lot of this anyway they they were like one of the um uh, forerunners of all the fair trade ethical uh rainforest alliance organic society um importers uh, those products so to me ethicality is all about paying an accessible price to the people. So you're not buying it on the cheap. You're not overpaying because you, you need to uh, buy into, sell into a, a large market because you got to remember the, on the fair trade side, there's only ever going to be 20% of it is fair trade. Often the fair trade prices are lower than the prices we pay because fair trade is graduated <laughs> um, depending on the quality of the product. So we try and do more than fair trade as much as possible. Although fair trade do an awful lot of good and are really, really good for the coffee industry and the chocolate industry and a lot of other industries as well. No, that's good. Well, it's good, good, good to hear you say that. What have you found to be the biggest challenges, Roland, in terms of the the leadership of you know starting off this business and then seeking to lead it wisely? Um, making sure that you're not focused on profit. So. You, you you need to make you make sure you cover your costs and you make sure you need to make sure you don't lose money because I learned all those lessons at Kingdom and the the what you need to do now is you need to make sure that you your ethics generates a profit anyway through being fair with people and just being sure that when you're dealing with people people understand exactly where you're coming from and what you're trying to do and are, are prepared to pay a fair price for the product yeah um understanding that we're we're trying to do a lot more than just um selling product and build a partnership it's all to do with partnershiping with people to get them to be more ethical as well and more sustainable and where possible sell the fair trade in and then add more into it yeah because then you've got that yeah, some people, especially churches and things like that, like the guarantee of a fair trade mark, right? Or an organic mark or a Rainforest Alliance mark. Because they all do good things in the market. Fair trade does its own area, Rainforest Alliance does things, and so does organic. And you find most of the organic stuff is rain is fair trade organic as well. Um but then also you go for things like micro lots. So if a farmer can sell a micro lot, he's gonna get a lot more money than he would from fair trade, for instance because the micro lots are like quality products. And if you can fit them into what you're offering to people, you're giving a huge 
boost to those communities as well by buying directly from them because there's not all that structure coming out as well so what you're doing is you're giving money back with all, all the structure of the certification but the issue is is how do you prove that the traceability back to that so we make sure we we buy through um traders who are uh, people like wakefields or um american coffee importers and we know which plantations and cooperatives they're coming from we know where they're coming from we know the areas they're coming from we know the price is fair um we know we're giving money on top of it we know um the roastery is actually working with a school's project in tanzania as well and we know that once we make a profit we will give a proportion back to the fund as well so it needs to be a holistic thing and then we go to the customer and talk to them and say look this is what we'd like to do this is how you could raise money and we try and get them out of their margin to give money back as well if they can we're listening to the leadership farm with me andy peck i'm joined this week by roland norman uh, he's a coffee consultant and we'll be back just after this welcome back to the leadership farm with me andy peck i'm joined this week by roland norman uh, roland's been in the coffee business for many years he uh, has, was formerly the founder of Kingdom Coffee. He's now a coffee consultant, uh, pioneering various approaches to see coffee utilised as a servant to those who produce it, as well as a money-raising tool for charity. And we're going to look a little bit more at that, some of that in the, the second half of uh, the show. Um, so, so, Roland, once you'd sold Kingdom Coffee, you were still staying in the coffee business, so to speak. So how how things progressed from that point? Um, I couldn't do much for a little while because of uh, certain things. But um, and then basically, I um, I just started doing events uh, for because um, I wanted to, I, I put some money into building some coffee vans and a coffee trailer, which I wanted to use and work with the Christian events organisations to help to add another avenue to help generate income for them to basically keep them running if you see what i mean and, and mean that they can still offer uh inexpensive tickets to people and uh, yeah and and run basically so because coffee is a very good angle for them to make to generate funds that contribute towards their costs so uh so kingdom i got involved in obviously new wine and word live and soul survivor and all those things so i kingdom kept doing their thing i and I basically brought a van along and became the Soul Survivor van, for instance, that all the Soul Survivors in 2019, just before they went, uh, they decided to end Soul Survivor. Uh, and they loved it. And they, they helped them use up some of the Kingdom stuff, coffee stuff and also uh, generated them some more funds, so, which is what it was wanting to do. Um, and then I did work with Word Alive. And I had a load lined up for this year, but obviously they all went a bit pear-shaped because sure. of COVID. <laughs> and even even now, decide to cancel one for the next year as well, unfortunately, uh, which is a real shame, real shame. Um, so I don't know how much use they're going to get. I'm trying to look at avenues of where we can use these bands and everything. But that was just basically a way to tie myself over and keep my hand in. And I did some training work with people um, and then I was just working on concepts on how I could use my attitude towards trying to help charitable causes to use coffee as a tool to raise income for themselves, but also uh, basically raise the sensible on how they used it, made sure that it was a holistic view that money was going back to the communities 
and that they weren't just focused on generating income for themselves, but also generating additional income for the communities they were buying this coffee from. Um, so the so I came up with a, a a concept which I shared with Peter, for instance, Kerry. She's one of the people I shared it with, and uh, he quite liked the idea. Um, and basically, out of it came a a brand called GOE, which is uh, the new premier go by premier radio uh, and it the whole idea of this is to basically help raise funds for different projects that premier is doing within the um its uh landscape in the uk uh, but also um help those communities with an outlet to uh, that produce the coffee which we then have a volume going through so we can fund projects back there as well so that's where the GOE came from. And that was one of the things I was looking at doing. And I, I, I'd love to work with other charities in that way to help them as well, if I can. So significant amounts of money can be raised, of course. Uh, we're oh, not yeah. talking about a few pence. No, that's right. It's, 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 a, it's an interesting project. You know, I'd hope that uh, you know, the listeners get on board with the Premier. They like the coffee, and that's my, my avenue to make sure the coffee's good for Premier. Um, and uh, they then basically can buy it, it'll be dispatched to them, and they should hopefully enjoy a really nice cup of coffee, and while they're drinking it, know that they're supporting, really supporting communities back in the uh, uh, Africa or Central America or South America or Asia. And you would, and evidently buying, uh, charities buy coffee machines, they're able to um, raise funds through the sales of, of coffee? Um, yeah. Obviously, it's a bit of an investment at the start, but it's a very, it becomes a very lucrative possibility. Yeah, and there's other schemes I've been working on, like you know, like a, a station uh, like Costa, which is branded up the charity it's supporting, and then we guarantee to give ten percent of whatever we generate from it to the um, charity, and the retailer is in guarantees to give ten percent as well, and that's part of the deal. So they get basically twenty p a cup <laughs> to for uh, every is going to charity, which is a huge amount. So every time someone buys a cup of coffee from these machines, for instance, twenty p of that cup that cup of coffee is going to the charitable cause, which is huge when you think fair trade somewhere like a penny. Yeah, I was yeah. I, I did actually read a book on the Starbucks coffee world, <laughs> and and what the markup is from. Uh, the two pound eighty or whatever fifty that you spend on your coffee, and how much the grower actually receives, and it's uh, well, you can tell me there <laughs> what the amounts are, very very small. <laughs> but then, yeah, they you going to remember in that situation, you know, a Starbucks cafe is very difficult for coffee shops to make money. It's I, I know I I've seen how they they failed because you even though it appears a large margin, it actually doesn't. There's an awful lot of costs associated to all coffee shops. So by doing it this way, you are taking that responsibility to a certain extent off them. So you source the coffee properly yourself. You source, you make sure that the farmers are getting money back and you ask them to contribute. But I'm putting the onus on myself more so that they can buy a product and be, be ethical trading by me helping them to be ethical trading, do you see what I mean? And then we compete with, we make sure we're competitive in the pricing to make sure that they can buy that coffee. And we're, because we're not worried significantly about the margin, 
we're more worried about getting more people to use it and therefore that generates more funds for everyone else so the concept i have with these creator express machines so it's a company called creator uh, and basically okay, is so that, that? Uh, Carita, it's Italian for charity. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> you can't call a profit making company in the UK a ch have charity in the wording. <laughs> so right? if I wanted to make profit, I needed to make sure I had um, uh, a name that portrayed what it's doing, but could still make profit. So. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, it's called Carita Express because Charity Express. It means. And what what the idea, the concept of this is that. You go to someone like TVAA or you go to a retailer and the retailer will say, oh, yes, I, I have a collection box for TVAA, which is Thames Valley Air Ambulance Service, and I'd like to raise significant funds for these. I'd like one of these machines. So you put the casing, the machines, the casing's all branded up, the Thames Valley Air Ambulance Service, uh, which is official branding for them. They know it's happening. And then basically uh, we do a like a Costa Express service, so it's profit sharing basically, so we cover 50% of, we cover all the costs, and the retailer basically makes a, a margin, which is considerably less than he would if he owned the machine, but he hasn't got any of the upfront costs, yeah? So what that means is that they're more likely to take it on, and then it actually generates uh, a significant income. So basically, uh, the machines I look at doing will automatically generate, if they're in a retailer, for the charity body, without the charity body doing anything, yeah, around 1,700 quid. Wow. And, and this is just on 20, 20 hot drinks a day. Yeah. Not many hot drinks a day at all. And we still make a small profit out of that, and the retailer makes a small profit as well. It's not yeah. as high as he would if he owned the machine himself. But it, with a retailer, it doesn't matter. They're just interested in adding to their sales. Mm. So what they want is someone to walk into a shop and say, rather than spending £5, spend £7. Because that's better for them. <laughs> And that's yeah. how it will work. So the idea is all to take it over into charity shops as well, because people like Costa and Chibo and these other people who do these concepts as well, they're not really interested in this because it's not high enough volume for them. Whereas there's a margin there, but it's a small margin. It's not. It's not. It's not a large margin, but there's a margin there. There's, there's a way of using that for charitable causes. So the idea was then to basically um, put other machines out in place like Heart Foundation. Uh, or uh, people who you could even brand them up Premier Radio, <laughs> uh, depending if they can go into outlets which people would like to raise money for Premier. And then you put the machines in, you manage them, and every quarter to six months you give a check to the Air Ambulance Service or Premier or the Heart Foundation for the for the machine for the the income generated by these machines. Um, and interesting, if you could take it further, you could put Macmillan machines, brand up Macmillan Trust into hospital wards, which are Macmillan wards. And, and basically that machine, because it's run by Macmillan, generates £7,000 a year, not just uh, 1800 or 1700 So that's other things I've been working out like that, because that to me is a huge way of using coffee in areas that people, commercial companies won't necessarily look at. And using it to benefit other people. And this is the whole thing I'm trying to do is how can I do something that is different that benefits organizations and other people who are trying to make the world a better place and, if we can, introduce the kingdom of God to it as well. Fabulous. Well, time's defeated us, Roland, but there's just time for you to mention how people could get in touch because there'll be 
leaders of charities and uh, obviously premier listeners who will be fascinated by what you've had to say. Yeah, uh, so if they can they can either ring me on 07 which is my mobile number, or they can email me on roland.norman at carita.coffee. And spell Carita again for me? It's C-A-R-I-T-A. Fabulous. Good. Well, thank you so much. And uh, great to hear how you've used your entrepreneurial talents in such a a fascinating and rewarding way. So uh, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. This is Andy Peck thanking you for joining us to the Leadership File this week. You can go to get a sample of the coffee that uh, Ronan's speaking about by going to goecoffee.com. That's gocoffee.com. You can get a free sample or indeed, uh, obviously, order some for yourself. So it's been great to have your company this week. I look forward to your company again either Sunday at four or via the podcast. Thanks for tuning in.